Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Well, good morning. Let me start this morning by asking you, what are you for? Okay, so lots of conversations, lots of stomping around, uh, and we have been addressing it and talking about it uh, in terms of the angst and the anger, the frustration, um, the need for change. And so let me uh, pivot the question, and let's see if we can get standing on the other foot this morning. What are you for? Uh, And if you can't answer that question, if you don't know what you're for, if you only know what you're against, then it's probably a good time to take a pause and a deep breath and, and acknowledge that at some point, at some point, protest becomes pointless if you don't actually know what you're for, what you want to constructively build. Um, if all you want to do is tear down and you don't know what you positively want to uh, put in its place, then it's time for uh, some serious consideration of your position. So I, I grew up mostly in in Florida, and um, you could either positively be for the, the Florida Gators, or you could positively be for the Florida State Seminoles, or you could simply take a, a contrary position. So you could say it's great to hate Florida State. And that is quite a chant, by the way. It's great to hate Florida State. Um, But you might provoke an equal and opposite response, which is it's greater to be a gator hater. So it's great to hate Florida State, but it's greater to be a gator hater. And so you may love the Vikings. Or you could present your position as being contrary to another team. I don't know, Paul, if you were... If you loved the Vikings, who might be your nemesis? Well, who the might big one, the Packers. Not love? The Packers. Yes. Just, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I let Paul say that because <laughs> we have fans of this program who love the Packers. I mean, they have hats that looks like look like cheese. You do not. Well, that's all I have to yeah. say about that. So you can yeah. either be like, True. you know, right? Pro, I'm pro cheese, so um, <laughs> I might be led. You see, you see the, the, the challenge here. Okay, so my question this morning is going to be to provoke us to ask what we are for, who we are for, what positions we're advocating. It's not enough to look around the culture and despise the fruits of unrighteousness. You actually have to know what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is not enough to simply pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven if you don't know what you're for in terms of those kingdom principles and those kingdom practices, the king himself, uh, whose witness and testimony and winsomeness you're trying to effectuate in the world in which we now live. So we're going to try to bring the kingdom principles of God to bear in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. And in order to do that, as ambassadors of the king and the kingdom, we have to know him. We have to be familiar 
with what the kingdom is like. And so let me guide and direct you today to spend some time reading what Jesus has to say about the kingdom of heaven is like. Just make a study of where all of the places where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like. Uh, and if you want to find all of them, it's not hard. Just Google it. Okay, so first up this morning, I have uh, Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich. They are the authors of The Six Needs of Every Child. You can find them at growingconnected.com. Uh, maybe you're just, um, you're, you're asking this, this morning, am I raising my kids right or am I just messing them up? I mean, if you're a parent, you have asked this question. You have asked the question about whether or not what you are doing and the way you're doing it is messing up your kids. Well, Jeffrey and Amy um, not only are asking that question, but they are offering us biblically rooted insights that are uh, integrated with the science of connection. They're giving us practical tools the book is The Six Needs of Every Child. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, joining me now, Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich. They're joining me from New Zealand, which could be the subject of our conversation today, but it's not. We're going to talk about <laughs> the six needs of every child. Good morning. Good uh, Good evening. It's oh, yeah, what I are. see, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Okay, so well, good morning help to you. Thank yes. you for having us on. Absolutely. Give us a little point of reference. It's actually hard for us to imagine what it's like to live, um, you know, halfway around the world. So what time is it in New Zealand and what what does the world look like from there? Well, it's uh, it's wintertime, which is very difficult when you go from northern hemisphere to southern hemisphere, because all of the holidays are upside down. So whenever I say it's June or July, I'm thinking it's supposed to be hot, but it's wintertime here. So. Yeah, and it's um, so we actually just moved from Florida three years ago, so we still are very American, a very American family. But it is 11 p.m. at night, and um, we're just glad to be acclimating back with with our people here on, this morning with you. Okay, so that is um, right. That's going to be a little mind boggling to some folks listening right now. They're like, "All right, it's 11 p.m." I would definitely be in bed. Um, my kids would hopefully be in bed. Just tell us a little bit about your family so people have a sense of who we're talking with this morning since our conversation is about parenting. Sure, sure. So Jeffrey and I are a couple. We really just love kids and parents um, and have a heart for just creating resources uh, because it can be really hard and we just want to be in it together. Jeffrey's a child psychologist. I'm an author and we have three kids. We have three boys. Our oldest is 16 and we have a 14 year old and a nine year old. And Carmen, something you said there on the intro about what are you for? Um, I don't think a lot of people realize the last promise of the old Testament. Uh, God tells us that he will turn the hearts of parents to their children and the hearts of children to their parents. And for us, that is really our vision. We want to turn uh, families' hearts toward one another, and modern parenting can often pull us apart. Which gets us to really the theme of the book. The website is growingconnected.com, and I want to highlight that for people today. The book is The Six Needs of Every Child, but if you go to the website, um, you can actually... Uh, 
take advantage of some resources that are available for you right now. Um, and so I encourage you to do that. And obviously you can access the book from there as well. Um, let's talk about this, uh, this idea of being connected because I, that, that feels like really the conversation that you're seeking to provoke, like, right. This is a kid is not some project that I'm working on. Um, it's not an achievement. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this mess into, you know, something what worthy of bearing my name. Like that is not what we should be thinking about in terms of parenting. I love the shift in focus from Mm -hmm. that to how, how shall I like live with this person? Like, right. There's a, it's super personal and there's, there's a science of connection here. So Jeffrey, talk a little bit about the science of connection. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, look, today's troubles can just um, consume us. Um, and we lose sight of the fact that whatever today's trouble are, as Jesus said, tomorrow there'll be new trouble um, and it will pass. But one thing that will not pass is our relationship with our children. It's a lifelong journey that we have. And um, that will um, that will persevere through uh, the toils and troubles of the day. And the fact is that I think not only from a scientific but a biblical perspective, it is through relationship that we are formed and that the outcomes that we, we all desire for our children as they grow into adults um, really are formed by what happens within the relationship over the days and weeks and months and years. It's not about any singular success or failure. It's about how do we get through this day together, whether it's a great day, day of celebration, or whether it's it's a hard day where we just feel stuck in our worst selves. So I'm talking with Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich. They are the co-authors of The Six Needs of Every Child. I want you to check it out at growingconnected.com. I'm going to read a paragraph from the introduction so we can get a, um, a really robust sense of where the book takes us. And then when we come back from the break, we're going to unpack uh, some of these six needs. Jeffrey's years of work and research have led him to identify six core needs that all parents and kids are born with. Delight, support, boundaries, protection, comfort, and equipping. We've discovered it's helpful to have directions to turn to when we feel stuck. So together, we've turned these six needs into a compass. With the compass as our guide, we'll use science and stories to explore each need and see how they connect us to growth and to each other. So that's really the... um, uh, the summary of what is included in The Six Needs of Every Child. I'm going to return to my conversation with Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich in just a moment. The book is The Six Needs of Every Child. You can find it at growingconnected.com. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Jeffrey and Amy Ulrich. They are the authors of The Six Needs of Every Child. I learned during the break I have some copies to give away. So if you are interested in entering the drawing for the copies we have in studio, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. All right, I'm going to let either of you, um, since you're there with each other and can eyeball each other, um, I'm going to let you guys decide who who talks first about delight. Just letting uh, letting my child know that I see them. Yeah, delight is so important. Delight launches our children into the world uh, and tells them, you know what, you are made, um, uh, you are unique in the world, um, and uh, you are 
you are good in my sight. Like God looks at his son, Jesus, when he comes out of uh, the river Jordan, he declares his delight over him and it launches Jesus into his ministry. Uh, it sets him free to discover what his mission was. And that's what happens with our children when they look into our face and they see reflected back to them uh, just our pleasure and their presence that, that we can um, join in their lives and discover who they are. That's delight. It's not controlling what they do, whether they're doing it right. It's just practicing that presence with them. And delight, it's life's busyness and also our concerns about whether or not we're doing parenting right, quote unquote, can really get in the way of us just feeling free to delight in our kids. So it's been really exciting for me as a mom to just understand how important it is that our kids feel and experience our just pure love and delight in who they are. And then also to look in the gospels and say, hey, we have this model of God delighting in his son. So I made some notes um, about this one because I think that presence is such a communicates so much, um, you know, the, the God's image bearers and then the incarnation mm. and um, our presence with one another. And just in terms of the way the Holy Spirit animates our life together as Christians. Um, and I just think about um, a little kid. This goes back a number of years. Um, but I remember overhearing him say to his mom as she was paying attention to something else and someone else and someone else's concerns. I remember him saying, pay me some tension, pay me some tension. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that that pay attention part, like, right, that creates tension in our relationships with our children when we do not pay attention to them. That's what felt like the delight part of the book was about to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's built into us. We hunger to be seen and to know um, how you feel about what you see. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and do you take joy in me apart from my works? Is it what I do for you that brings you pleasure or my presence here? Um, and look, uh, there's a lot that our kids do that make me frustrated, upset, or I might have a critique for uh, and there's a and there's a space for teaching my children, um, but if I don't make room for just um, <clears throat> practicing wonder, to say who is this person that God has brought in my life, and reflect back to the joy of discovering who they are, uh, they won't become who they were meant to be. They'll be looking for other people to tell them who they are. Mm. I think that all yeah, kids the, have kind of a, a little love bank that they that they have inside of themselves. And when their love banks are running on empty, it's really hard. It's really hard to get through the day. And I think what it's uh, what's important for parents to understand is so many of the power struggles or just the difficulties, the temper tantrums that kids have are often just a result of them not getting that little love bank filled up. And a 20 minutes of attention to a small child um, can really make the difference in how your day goes. So for me as a mom, it's just been about stopping and looking at them and seeing them and just spending that, connecting that time, paying them some attention, <laughs> like mm -hmm. like the child that you saw. So um, I, I love that. We um, I'd love to be able to unpack each one of these, but we're going to have to direct people uh, to the website 
growingconnected.com and to the book, The Six Needs of Every Child, in order to unpack all six of them, delight, support, boundaries, protection, comfort, equipping. Um, My listeners know, you guys, that I love appendices, and your book does not (laughs) disappoint. Um, When it comes to the appendices of this book, I want you to tell people what is in um, not only Appendix A, but B and C. Yeah, look, we want people to get a sense of where they are with these six needs. And um, look, the fact is nobody does uh, life perfectly, and we shouldn't expect ourselves or our children to do things perfectly. In fact, you know, uh, most people will look at something like this and go, oh, what are those six needs? I want to do the best I can with all of them. And uh, really, uh, you want to just land in the middle, Uh, (laughs) You want to be able to say, hey, look, I'm paying attention to that need. Um, it's not getting too low. I'm not over-attending to it. Um, and all of us will have our own histories where we tend to pay attention to certain needs over others. That kind of gets wired into us when we were children. What did our parents pay attention to? Which, did they, which of those needs did they value? So those tools are really designed to help people get a sense for themselves of where they land, what, which needs they are natural at paying attention to, and which, which needs they tend to overlook, um, and also see how those needs uh, bunch up, if you will, because there are patterns that emerge um, uh, along, uh, depending on which needs you uh, excel at, which ones you're uh, weaker at. Um, and then uh, we want to give people some idea of, like, if their kids are really, if their kid is really struggling, okay, how can I take these needs and begin to, uh, like nutrients in the soil, attend to one or another and try and see what my child will respond to? And then right. I love so we the, wanted uh, to have the assessment. Oh, the, like, so Appendix A is just assessment tools. Let's figure out where I am. Am I over? Am I am I overvaluing? Am I undervaluing? Am I right in the middle? And then Appendix B just moves right into steps to take if your child is struggling. And then just Appendix C, we really want to be, we want to be responsive to parents because so much of the way that we're able to love and care for our kids really depends on how we're doing in our own lives. And I think a lot of parenting books leave out the fact that we are also human <laughs> with needs. This is a book about our, our kids' needs, but we we are we have needs ourselves. So Appendix C is steps to take if you are struggling and really wanting to um have readers feel like there's support, some steps for support if they're having a hard time as well. It occurs to me that um, if if my relationship with God is, is is kind of not just rightly ordered, but if I'm literally delighting in him as father and I sort of get it that my identity, belonging and purpose are caught up in who he is and that relationship and I'm genuinely connected to him in ways that are healthy, um, this is a lot easier. And and yet we have, I would say, a lot of people that are not operating out of that sense of identity, belonging and purpose in terms of who we are as individuals, let alone who we are as parents. Um, it's been my observation that as kids get, you know, older and more mature, getting to the place where, you know, I acknowledge that this is my sister or brother in Christ. Like, this is somebody with whom I'm walking on this pilgrimage, on this journey. I am with them. They are with me. We are together in pursuit of another king and another kingdom. Um, it does change the way you think about parenting 
um, once you get to the place where it's like, this is my brother and sister, not just my child. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because um, we are all human um, and we are all made for relationship with each other and with God. And I think an important thing that happens um, spiritually in terms of just discipleship is how we model um, uh, the hard things in life with our children. Um, I don't think God expects of us to have all the answers and to, to get it right and perfectly, but we put pressure on ourselves that way. Um, David is a perfect example of someone who can have some honest conversations with God. He's comfortable with those conversations and uh, he has a very secure relationship with God. And that's the kind of relationship we we want to encourage uh, parents to have with their children. Not that you uh, just aim for, um, you know, uh, uh, messing up and, and shrug it off, but um, to recognize that uh, hard times will come, but God is always with us. And uh, I'm always with you um, through whatever hardship you go through. And I can say that to my sons and they can come to me. I just love it. The book is The Six Needs of Every Child, Empowering Parents and Kids Through the Science of Connection. The authors are Amy and Jeffrey Ulrich. I do have some copies to give away if you would like to uh, enter the drawing for one of those. Just text the word book to 877-933-2484 and check out um, not only this book, but the other resources available for you right now at growingconnected.com. Jeffrey and Amy, thanks for staying up late to be with us early in the morning. Thanks so it much was for having our us. pleasure. Thank you. What, what a joy. All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> All right. We got a lot going on in the world Um, here in the United States of America. The annual report to Congress has been issued uh, from on on excuse me, international religious freedom. It's also known as the International Religious Freedom Report. Uh, It is reporting out those places around the world where people of faith, not just Christians, but people of faith are most likely to be persecuted um, and or die um, because of their religion. And Nigeria, in many, many ways, tops the list in terms of that conversation. Joining me next, Ruth Kramer. We talk with her on a regular basis from Mission Network News. We're going to talk about the International Religious Freedom Report. We're going to talk specifically about what is going on tragically in Nigeria. Um, And then we're also going to talk about, um, you know, those those Bibles that have been launched over the uh, border of of South Korea into North Korea and what's going on there. All right, all of that up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When your teen's life starts spinning out of control, you undoubtedly think, how am I going to survive this mess? Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. The book of Psalms is filled with beautiful songs of praise and thanksgiving, but it also includes some heartbreaking laments. The Psalms teaches that there is a pathway to hope, even in the midst of despair. If you're dealing with misery at home, start by having an honest conversation with God about your sorrow and suffering. Don't sugarcoat it. Spit it out. He can handle it. Then, look for the ways He's actually working in your life. Could He be stretching you or teaching you to trust Him more? Your circumstances may not change, but you can find hope in knowing this. God is near. Want more help from Mark Gregston? 
Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Joining me now, Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News. You can find everything we're talking about today at mnnonline.org. Ruth, welcome back. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So we're going to lead off with a conversation about the annual report to Congress on international religious freedom. Um, Remind us what this report is uh, and then maybe what's different this year uh, from prior years. Well, there's been a lot of activity surrounding uh, international religious freedom coming out of the State Department, out of the White House uh, within the last month or so. Um, The International Religious Freedom Report comes out and it looks at uh, a number of different situations around the world and uh, kind of looks at whether or not the U.S. should levy sanctions or what kind of leverage can be used in in discussions uh, with countries that have uh, a reputation, let's say, for um, making things difficult for minority religions in their in their countries. It's supposed to be a, a method that allows discussion and diplomacy to occur with some more stick-like options like sanctions uh, to follow if uh, if those things don't actually occur. Um, and and so this is a, a high-level report. Uh, it comes out uh, alongside of the executive order that was signed earlier this uh, this month, in which the uh, State Department uh, also um, uh, was authorized to to utilize uh, funding. So the executive order provides $50 million per fiscal year, and that's going to be split up in a couple of different ways, uh, some of which is actually going to go toward assisting um, uh, countries around the world trying to protect religious minorities and promote programs that also bring religious freedoms um, to those countries. So those are kind of two actions that are that are dovetailed. And the United States uh, Commission on International Religious Freedom has really been applauding the efforts of the White House to come alongside these religious minorities around the world uh, and and encourage religious freedom because uh, they are of, of the belief that religious freedom is your your one of your founding blocks of what it is to be a free country. Country. If you're not allowed to believe uh, or practice your faith uh, without uh, fear of repercussion, you don't really have freedom to do anything else as, uh, uh, either. Um, so that's what we're really, really looking at right now uh, with the release of the the report. Obviously, we've got the usual suspects that are protesting um, being named in the report. Uh, you're talking India. You're talking China. And what's interesting is that um, the USCIRF has been. Uh, not only praising the uh, State Department's commitment to improving religious freedom conditions abroad, their their information lines up very, very closely because they do send out people. They do um, go out and investigate situations. And so um, there are probably a lot of crossover. There is probably a lot of crossover with the information that comes out. But all it's doing is is – uh, sort of serving as a check to make sure that everybody's on the same page for things when they say something. When you make an accusation or when you – it sounds like an accusation because that's how the countries are taking it. When you name a country on one of these reports that has a direct link to uh, the State Department, uh, countries that are named don't like it very often. And so they will protest. They'll kick up a fuss. They'll say something um, uh, or release a headline or the the – 
the head of state will come out and have a very strongly worded statement about these kinds of things. Um, but usually it just means that we're on the right track. In this case, the IRF uh, this year also noted uh, religious freedom conditions in Nigeria. And uh, they're not alone in noticing things that are happening in Nigeria, even though the world is in global lockdown. There's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, this might be a good time to segue into the notification that we got from the International Criminal Court uh, that they're looking, uh, they're open to a preliminary examination into the situation in Nigeria because of what's happening there. They're they're exploring the possibility of genocide. It's uh, what's going on in Nigeria is horrendous. You guys have a number of articles posted at uh, mnnonline.org. I'm looking at one related. Uh, it's just the, the stories are horrific. This one happens to be related to a pastor and his pregnant wife who were laboring in their farm um, when they were attacked and killed. To just brief us in on what is happening in Nigeria. It is it is just utterly heartbreaking. You know, the situation there is you've got a, a, a dual insurgency, and there's probably multiple other insurgencies underneath that. Uh, Boko Haram is the widely recognized um, terror organization that tends to target Christians. Um, they are connected to al-Qaeda, so they're sharing some of the similar um, ideologies. And part of Boko Haram broke off and joined uh, the Islamic State. So they are the West Africa province of Islamic State. Um, and so now you have those kinds of different groups that are all all fighting for dominance, but they're all targeting the same organizations and the same people groups. And those typically tend to be Christians. Um, at the On the other side of things, you've got the Fulani herdsmen who are also battling for resources and um, for influence, for dominance in, in uh, the areas where they hold uh, sway. And so they are also targeting the Christians on the other side. So you've got Boko Haram and Islamic State and Al-Qaeda on the one side, and you've got Fulani Herdsmen on the other. And it's been really bad for Christians. Um, the attackers have struck almost every day throughout the months of April and May. And and that's not really been changing an awful lot. The, the attack that you're talking about involved a pastor who uh, left his family in Nigeria, came to the States to train at Calvin Theological Seminary in Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, completed his training, and then went back home to disciple pastors and plant churches. And one of the ways, you know, they had to keep things going was to um, have a farm because he has a large family. He had eight children and his wife was pregnant. And so the, he sent the kids back to the compound when they saw things were coming um, to a very violent head. He was trying to protect his family. His wife wouldn't leave him, so she was on the farm with him. And one day the attackers came and there was, uh, well, there was a slaughter. And um, the uh, the pastor and his wife were killed in that. Of course, the un unborn child also died in that, that attack. Um, what this brings home to us is that there are people who are still actively involved in wanting to disciple the body of Christ because there's so much happening uh, in Nigeria, and people are still searching for hope. And it's rare, I think, when you see a pastor leave or someone who's interested in, in pursuing a ministry, leave his country, come to the United States where it's safe, and then get his training for over the, the course of years and go back to his country. Usually they get stuck in the staying, in, you know, in the States or, or moving somewhere else where it's a little safer. But he went back to his hometown, basically, and started a ministry there. 
and he he was threatened. There were a lot of threats. There were a lot of situations where he knew he was in a dangerous area, but he made friends in the United States, so he had a wide prayer network, and he left it to the prayer. And according to Voice of the Martyrs USA, um, he, he had a vibrant ministry. So what they're asking us to do is to continue, continue to pray for the believers in Nigeria, pray for the, the churches that this man intersected with in Nigeria, that they wouldn't lose heart. It is so hard to lose a pastor. It is so discouraging to have your leader taken out the way this man was taken out. Um, but his testimony shines brightly, and God can use that for something. Let's also uh, add add to that list, you know, the, the eight children now orphaned um, and and the challenge that uh, that we all face in relationship to the responsibility that we bear for one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, not only here in the United States of America, but around the world. I'm talking with Ruth Kramer. You can read the articles that we're talking about today at MNN, that stands for Mission Network News, MNNonline.org. We'll be right back. Oh, Developments between uh, North and South Korea on the border um, uh, continue uh, not only day to day, but almost hour by hour right now. So we're certainly keeping an eye on the Korean Peninsula. We uh, we shared yesterday that North Korea blew up the liaison office uh, that had been established just two years ago uh, with some hopes that there would be peace on the Korean Peninsula. The story that Ruth and I are going to discuss is actually a part of that conversation. And so, Ruth, why don't you tell us um, about efforts to get scripture into North Korea and what's going on, um, what's going on in South Korea in response to North Korea's, I don't know, hostility? Maybe it's the best word. Well, North Korea and South Korea, well, so they're trying to, I guess, have more a, a better domestic relationship than they've they've had before, um, but that requires South Korea to come more towards North Korea's direction in to concede a few things in order for North Korea to stay at the table, um, and there are a lot of things that South Korea has given up in order to appease North Korea and um, and create a, a situation where they can have dip, restore diplomatic ties. Um, this is where this intersects with uh, the work of Voice of the Martyrs Korea. Um, they are known for, among other things, uh, doing balloon launches that send scripture into North Korea over the border, because you, you really can't take Bibles into North Korea <clears throat> as contraband, um, but you can do it with uh, the balloons or maybe sea bottles or things like that. So there was a lot of different things, different methods that uh, VOM Korea was using to try to get information and uh, expose people to the Word of God in a way that they may not have been able to do before. And there's almost always some kind of uh, not not real resistance, but a show of resistance. Um, and and North Korea usually comes out with some really strong statement about the balloon launches and and tells people that they're full of poison or something like that, so nobody will touch this stuff. But people aren't listening. So according to what uh, our contact at VOM Korea says, uh, is that when they started the um, the balloon launches uh, a number of years back, zero percent of North Koreans had ever seen a Bible with their own eyes. Now, as of 2016, eight um, percent have have seen 
a copy of God's word with their own eyes. And that's just the, the result of these these different things with the balloon launches and the sea bottle launches, getting the Bible over the borders. Um, so North. So as far as VOM Korea is concerned, this is something that is uh, has been successful in uh, in getting materials into people uh, in North Korea. The latest with the political wranglings that are going on, South Korea actually issued or passed a law late last week, I think it was Thursday night, that makes these Bible launches illegal, absolutely illegal. Um, it includes heavy fines and bans on any activities that can that are connected to cross-border balloon or sea bottle launches. Um, so in general, it is now illegal to send anything over the border. Specifically, it was targeting something like the Bible launches. So the statement from VOM Korea is they've had a very cooperative relationship at all levels of South Korean government over the last 15 years. And so they are sad that the government has taken a step to move away from this policy of collaboration and uh, kind of give in to the demands of North Korea. Um, what it means is when VOM Korea went to the border to do their uh, latest release that was a couple days ago, um, they were stopped. They were, um, you know, threatened with arrest. They had a lot of police around, a lot of police presence there. Um, and, you know, Eric always takes these times. Dr. Eric Foley is the, the director of VOM Korea. He always takes these opportunities to talk about the gospel, talk about what they're doing to try to help the the North Korean people and that they're not trying to be subversive, but this is, you know, what they're trying to do because it, the, he shares the urgency that he feels uh, for the North Korean people in not being introduced to the potential of their savior. And for the most part, the, the police were listening to the story. Um, there wasn't really a, a response to what uh, Dr. Foley was actually saying. But he always takes these opportunities to at least share the gospel with the people that are around them. And I think he said that on multiple occasions where, you know, while while they're um, talking over the legalities or discussing what is happening with the police, everybody is cordial. There's no hostility at this point. And it's been an opportunity for an open door. Now things are changing a little bit and he's not really sure what the next step is going to be. What he does say is that uh, they have to continue in their partnership with the secret believers in North Korea. It carries a higher risk. But he also says um, they can't that he can't believe that standing with the underground church won't cost something, but it's too important to let go. Um, so there's just going to be kind of a shift maybe in what they're doing. Um, they're kind of keeping that plan under wraps for obvious reasons because uh, they're not really sure what direction things are going to go. Uh, it certainly wasn't moving in the direction they were hoping it was going to move. So please be praying for ministries like VOM Korea as they are trying to find creative ways to expose the people of North Korea to the hope of Christ. Um, it is a difficult, difficult situation for the underground church in North Korea. It is difficult for people to even have access to anything that isn't run by the state. Uh, so the word of God is precious and it travels widely. Um, and it just, we need to keep praying that that continues. 
And the word of God never returns void, but always accomplishes that for which God sends it forth. And that's uh, that's going to be our confident hope. Let me direct people to mnnonline.org. Ruth and I did not have an opportunity to talk about a, an article there um, that's posted about Lebanon. I would also uh, lift up an article there about Pakistan, one about Iraq, ISIS, and COVID-19. So many good resources. And every single one of these articles um, concludes with information about how you can get directly involved and certainly uh, guide your prayers with encouragement from believers who are literally on the ground in each and every one of these locations around the globe. Uh, Ruth Kramer, thank you so much for joining us today. And again, the website is mnnonline.org. We'll be right back. Hey, Paul Perot, um, I know you're listening right now. Is yes. that thing we're doing with Susie Larson and Bill Arnold, is that tomorrow at 4 p.m. Central? Um, I'm not sure if it's tomorrow or the next Thursday. That's a good question. I think it's tomorrow. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's tomorrow. All right. All right. So you should be tuning in every day to hear my colleagues, Susie Larson and Bill Arnold. They fill your afternoon with faithful conversations that, uh, that touch your heart brighten the mood, plumb the depths. Um, I'm pretty sure that tomorrow, the three of us are getting together at the 4 p.m. hour uh, central on Bill's show to actually uh, talk with one another. And so, you know, you should be listening to them every day anyway. So uh, go ahead and plan to listen to Susie and Bill this afternoon and every afternoon. Uh, Be sure you tune in tomorrow. I'm pretty sure it's tomorrow at 4 p.m. central where Susie Larson and me, Carmen LaBurge, will join Bill Arnold on his program for one special hour of Faith Radio that, uh, let me just tell you right now, you don't want to miss. All right, what are you for? That's going to be my concluding question for this hour. What are you for? I'm for Jesus. I'm for truth. I'm for life. I'm for goodness in the way God defines it in terms of godliness. I'm for beauty, goodness, and truth. What are you for? Let's have a conversation today about what we're for, not just what we're against. All right, we got a whole nother hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Stick with us. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.